A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The people of Judah and the citizens of Jerusalem said, Come, let us contrive a plot against Jeremiah. It will not mean the loss of instruction from the priest, nor of counsel from the wise, nor of messages from the prophets. And so let us destroy him by his own tongue. Let us carefully note his every word. Heed me, O Lord, and listen to what my adversaries say. Must good be repaid with evil, that they should dig a pit to take my life? Remember that I stood before you to speak in their behalf, to turn away your wrath from them.
As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, what do you wish? She answered him, command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, we can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and at my left is not mine, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Bebum Domini. Throughout history, there have been some truly remarkable figures who have amassed, who have managed to amass a tremendous amount of power and authority. You know, conquerors like, such as Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, Charlemagne and Napoleon Bonaparte, all garnered for themselves great empires and kingdoms. And while there might be a few benevolent leaders here and there from time to time, conquerors often enjoyed having power over others. They sought power in order to make a name for themselves, to serve themselves rather than serve others. And these conquerors have perhaps shaped the common secular concept of authority as having power over others. That's oftentimes how we even think of power, as being able to lord over others. And Jesus takes this secular concept of authority and turns it on its head. Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, teaches his disciples the true nature of authority according to the mind of God. In Jesus and in his word, 
the disciples gain insight into the manner in which God exercises his authority. God is Lord of heaven and earth. He has absolute power to command the wind, the ocean, and everything that crawls upon the ground. And yet he does not lord it over his creation. He does not make his power over creation felt. God does not exercise absolute power for the sake of serving himself, but rather he seeks to serve his creatures. He provides for them. Now, upon hearing Jesus' third prediction of his suffering, death, and resurrection, the apostles inadvertently reveal their ambition for power. In Matthew, or in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is approached by the mother of the sons of Zebedee, whereas in Mark, he is approached by the sons of Zebedee themselves. Minor detail. But regardless, it is clear that James and John wish to have the highest share in Jesus' authority by having a place at his right and left in the kingdom of heaven. They imagine themselves as lording it over others alongside Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the other apostles become indignant with the sons of Zebedee because they have ambitions of their own. And so Jesus inverts the apostles' expectations by teaching about the true nature of authority. Jesus will indeed bestow his authority upon them at Pentecost, but they must first understand how they are to exercise this authority. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And although this is never explicitly mentioned in the Gospels, it's conceivable that Simon Peter was perhaps the most ambitious of them all. Perhaps he truly wished to be first among them. And so it would be another reason why Jesus selected him out of the 12 to be the rock the first pope, whom we call the servant of the servants of God. He becomes the first among servants. And Jesus teaches that authentic exercise of authority is in serving others. And this certainly applies first and foremost to ordained clergy. The word deacon is derived from the Greek word that means serve. The authority that is bestowed upon bishops, priests, and deacons is not to serve themselves, but is ordered towards the service of the people of God, you know, to teach, govern, and sanctify. And second, authority is also given to the laity, especially in family life. Spouses enjoy authority that is ordered towards the service of one another and their children. 
Third, the Catechism teaches in paragraph 2235 that even those in civil authority are supposed to exercise authority in service of their constituents, not to lord it over them. All people are given varying levels of authority. There's even authority within businesses as well. That's also an authority of service. But we're given varying levels of authority that we are to exercise properly in imitation of Christ. It is not a self-seeking authority, but one that is ordered towards the love and service of one's neighbor. So in what manner does Jesus serve his church? Well, he does so, as he says, by giving his life as a ransom for many. The service that he renders is his perfect sacrifice to the Father for the salvation of the world. This is the love of God, which is described in Greek by the word agape. God loves us with agape love, and he calls all of us, his disciples, to do likewise. He exercises authority by laying down his life on the cross for those under his rule. We too are called to lay down our lives in love for those we serve. This might not require actual martyrdom, but perhaps a daily giving of oneself to mundane tasks in the service of one's family. It could mean going to an unexciting or difficult job five days a week to provide for one's family. It could mean caring for an elderly or sick relative and getting nothing but complaints and aggravations. It could mean doing the same mundane tasks over and over again in the monastery out of love for one's sisters. It could mean hearing the same people's confessions time and time again for the sake of their salvation. It could also mean studying the scriptures and the church's teaching on a regular basis in order to have spiritual food to provide for the faithful through preaching or teaching. Every day is an opportunity to give ourselves over willingly and lovingly to the service of others and to exercise our authority according to the heart and mind of Christ.